This is HRT, a podcast featuring interviews with HR leaders, researchers, students, and influencers. HRT takes trending topics and research in human resources, steeps them for 30 minutes or less, and leaves you with fresh brewed ideas on how to drive high-performing, inclusive organizations and create meaningful work experiences. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD, the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University. Hi, everyone. Welcome to HRT. I'm your host, Bethany Adams. I love HRT, but truth be told, I am still a coffee drinker. Okay, on today's episode, we are going to discuss something that I think is crucially important for us as humans. We work in human resources, and sometimes I think we forget that our roles are to support human beings and that we ourselves are human. Today, we are going to talk about mental health. This is a subject that for a very long time was seen as faux pas to discuss in the workplace. Don't tell people you're struggling with depression or anxiety. Certainly don't mention that you've had thoughts of suicide. If employers found out, would they see you as stable? Would they let you go out of fear that you might break down in the future? These are topics that we don't talk about in the workplace. But the truth is, we are all human. And sometimes that means that we struggle with things like depression, anxiety, loneliness, stress. And as you will hear in today's episode, these struggles are had by a lot larger population of people than you might actually think. Because we don't talk about these issues or find resources for employees dealing with them, they impact individual employee performance, employees' commitment to organizations, and our ability to perform effectively. Companies that espouse values of care for employee well-being, like we talked about on the last episode of HRT, need to understand that things like yoga in the workplace and bring your pet to work are not enough to suffice the support and resources that we need to provide for employees struggling with mental health issues. Right now, our world is dealing with an unprecedented global pandemic, and we are facing uncertainty about our health our safety, and our financial security. We are self-isolating, working overtime, and dealing with feelings of loneliness and high levels of stress. Right now, more than ever, we need companies that are thinking about the mental health of their workers and what they can do to support employees where and how they need it. So, enter Kelly Greenwood. Kelly is the founder and CEO of Mindshare Partners. Kelly started her career in management consulting and went on to get her MBA and spent the beginning of her career in both academic and professional settings in high-performing competitive jobs and corporate environments. But Kelly has generalized anxiety disorder, and as she describes, twice in her life it resulted in debilitating depression that caused her to take a leave of absence from work. It was out of those experiences that Mindshare Partners was born, out of what she wished she had had when she was struggling at work. Mindshare Partners is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to drive culture change around mental health in the workplace, and they are doing just that. 
All right, let's get into it so you can hear from Kelly herself. Fair warning, this episode was recorded during the SHRM Inclusion Conference in New Orleans last fall. That conference was an amazing experience and full of lots of hustle and bustle, which you will actually hear behind us a few times during the interview. So I started off by asking Kelly to describe what the landscape of mental health in the workplace is right now. I think really what we're seeing, which is so exciting, is that mental health in this country isn't at inflection point. So increasingly, we're seeing celebrities start to come out around their own mental health issues. And what we really need to see, I think, to kind of complete that culture change is to have workplaces take a lead as well. I feel like we're in this transition point where we're starting to think about mental health and how we can support employees in that way. So what's happening? What's changed? I think a lot has changed. Part of it, frankly, is there's a little bit of a culture clash happening between the folks that are just entering the workforce and baby boomers. So Mindshare Partners actually did a survey in partnership with SAP and Qualtrics earlier this year, and there were some really shocking statistics that we found. So 20% of all employees in the U.S., and we had a statistically significant sample, have voluntarily left their jobs for mental health reasons. And so 20% is obviously a big number in and of itself. But then when you start looking at the newer generations, those numbers skyrocket. So it is just incredible numbers. And I think what we're seeing, too, is not only are the younger generations sort of more self-aware of mental health conditions, these are folks that have grown up either going to therapists or on medicine themselves or having friends in those situations, but they go to high schools and colleges where they're having mental health clubs and then all of a sudden they roll into the workplace and they're not supposed to talk about this. So I want to stop right there for a minute. What Kelly is talking about is really important for us to consider fully. This study found 20% of respondents in the survey voluntarily left roles in the past for mental health reasons. They also found that 50% of millennials and 75% of Gen Zers had left roles for mental health reasons, both voluntarily and involuntarily. For us in HR, how much time, money, and energy do we spend talking about retention and how to keep our best employees? And to think that 20% voluntarily leave us because of issues related to mental health that we don't talk about or address. As you will hear from Kelly in just a minute, mental health is a spectrum and a large portion of us will deal with mental health issues at some point in our future if we haven't already. And the vast majority of mental health conditions are treatable. And that means that we are losing our talent for temporary challenges that they face. How much better off would we be and they be if we support our employees, find them the resources they need, don't shame them, but help them through their challenge and retain them. Imagine the increase in commitment, the appreciation they would feel, and if that doesn't persuade you enough, there's also the cost savings of retaining a talented employee. As we know, culture change in any issue requires top-down and bottoms-up support to be successful. I think one of the really exciting bottoms-up pieces that we've seen really in just the last 18 months in this country are mental health employee resource groups. So similarly to how a lot of companies have you know, affinity groups or ERGs for LGBTQ people, women, other populations that are underrepresented in the workplace, we've seen this groundswell of mental health employee resource groups. And often these are coming from 
more junior employees that are really wanting a forum to talk about mental health and at the very least to spread awareness around mental health. And so I think that's something that we've seen that's been tremendously exciting. Given legal regulations, joining one of these doesn't necessarily mean you're outing yourself as having a mental health condition, but they're allies, they're caregivers, and they're people with mental health conditions. But what we find is that a lot of times once people get comfortable with the other people in the ERG, they often take these conversations offline into much more deep and meaningful, supportive types of relationships, which is just fantastic to see in the workplace. Yeah, it's good news for all employees. And it's good news for business, too. You mentioned the legal piece about mental health. So talk to me through some of the Americans with Disabilities Act and protections that exist for mental health in the workplace. Absolutely. So it's really the same as with a physical health condition. So as a refresher, employees don't have to disclose anything and employers really cannot force them to. Secondly, employers cannot discriminate against people with mental health conditions. And thirdly, employers are required to provide reasonable job accommodations. At Mindshare Partners, we often translate that into saying that you can always be curious about about what's happening at work or things that you're seeing from a work perspective, but you can never ask why. So you should never say, oh, is this because you're depressed? Or, oh, is this, you know, whatever that is. If people want to volunteer that, that's totally fine and up to them. So it really is leading with kind of the curiosity lens. We certainly never want our managers to pretend that they're clinicians. That would be a terrible idea for a whole host of reasons. (laughs) And so we just really want them to feel empowered to create supportive work environments. And I think it's important too from the employee perspective to know I don't have to say why this is happening. I don't have to disclose that. It's important for them to know their own rights in that kind of situation. So we just talked about the importance of supporting employees and it makes good business sense. So what are the hidden costs of human capital if we don't support employees in this way? Absolutely. Well, there are huge costs on a lot of dimensions. So first off, $17 billion is lost in productivity each year in the U.S. And this is to clarify for unaddressed mental health conditions. So many mental health conditions are treatable. Up to 80% are treatable with the right support. But 80% of workers don't seek that treatment because of the fear and shame. So in addition to that lost productivity in dollars, There's also a lot of harder intangibles around employee engagement, around just a sense of feeling of belonging within companies. One of the things that's been interesting that we found is that a lot of employees that don't actually have mental health conditions themselves feel a better sense of affinity toward their company, knowing that their company supports mental health of other folks. Because they see it in their friends and their family, and knowing that their organization would support those people makes them feel more connected. Exactly. And one of the things that I didn't speak to is just the prevalence of mental health conditions. So up to 80% of folks over the course of a lifetime will have some sort of diagnosable mental health condition. More often than not, they probably won't know that. But were they to walk into a doctor's office, they would be, you know, diagnosable with something. Really, all of us go back on this spectrum that is mental health, just like physical health, quite frankly, over the course of our lifetimes. So I would argue that very few people are ever 100% mentally healthy. But similarly, there's not as many people that are completely non-functional either, which is sort of what the media typically portrays as folks that have mental health conditions. Just like physical health, right? Like how how many of us would say we're 100% physically healthy? And so one of the really interesting things that we 
found in our study was that mental health conditions are actually equally as prevalent across seniority levels. So from your entry-level employee all the way to your C-suite, the instances of mental health symptoms are the same. Hmm. You shared earlier some myths around mental health, and I know you just hit on kind of one of them, but share with us a couple of those myths For me, I think the prevalence is the biggest one, just that mental health is rare, which is clearly an inaccurate piece of information and something that... It's rare when we don't talk about it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It is still rare to talk about, unfortunately. (laughs) You know, but I would say for me in particular, it would have just been so helpful to know that information when I was really struggling and to know that it's very common among high performers too, just so that that self-stigma can really lessen. So I think another myth, too, is just the fact that mental health conditions are always debilitating. So again, this kind of goes back to the mental health as a spectrum piece. But there was a study a few years ago done by UCSF and UC Berkeley that showed that entrepreneurs have disproportionately high levels of mental health conditions. And some of that is chicken and the egg. I think for some mental health conditions like bipolar disorder, that mania can often be really helpful as an entrepreneur. And so sometimes people that are predisposed to bipolar disorder may may go into entrepreneurship in higher levels. But at the same time, as I've recently found out, you know, as the founder and CEO of my own nonprofit organization, just the inherent ups and downs of doing a startup are triggering. So you know, a lot of folks will experience higher levels of depression as a, as a founder, higher levels of anxiety, just because there are so many more unknowns and it is such a roller coaster. So again, I want to stop Kelly right there. Think about what she said can be a trigger for mental health episodes, ups and downs, unknowns and uncertainty. Think about what we are dealing with right now in our world because of the COVID-19 crisis. Uncertainty for sure. Unknowns for the future. As Kelly said, 80% of us over the course of our lifetime will have a diagnosable mental health condition. How many of us right now are probably dealing with depression, anxiety, or having additional mental health conditions exacerbated because of the uncertainty and stress of what is happening in the world and the change to our routines? Now more than ever, we need to consider the impact of mental health in our workplace And now more than ever, we need organizations to think about the resources they provide for employees during this time and always around these issues. Even after this crisis is over, we are going to go back to workplaces that are full of technology that keep us in a 24-7 environment. This always-on workplace has an impact on our mental health. And I asked Kelly about this. I think that always on mentality is harmful to everyone, not just folks with mental health conditions. So I think that there's a lot that can be done in that. I mean, certainly, you know, we are working with a major law firm. And so obviously law firms are client services. They are inherently time consuming and need to be very responsive to their clients. And one of the things that some of the partners have started to realize is, yes, we need to be very responsive to our clients. If there's a real deadline, we need to meet that and that may be working a lot or being extremely responsive to email. And at the same time, there's a lot of artificial deadlines that are created, right? So maybe a partner creates an internal deadline for no particular reason. And so lightening up on some of those areas where there is actually wiggle room is hugely important. 
I think one of the other things too is to remember that this is a long game. Ideally, you want employees to stick around your company for a while versus a really, really intense sprint, which is not sustainable over time. And so to do that, I think managers and you know leaders at companies can be excellent role models just in terms of really modeling some of the behavior that they want to see from other people you know not answering emails late at night if they do need to answer emails late at night which is sometimes you know my case I, I leave work at, at five to get home to my little kids put them to bed and then after they're asleep I have a little extra time sometimes I will pause on send and I will send those in the morning but sometimes you should do the work when it's convenient for you but you also want to think about your employees as well. Exactly, exactly. So I think there's a lot that can be done around the edges and a lot of that modeling too, and people just getting real about the cost of this work around the clock mentality, which can be done in sprints, but not in perpetuity. So going back a little bit to the it's rare that we talk about mental health, right? That it takes a lot of vulnerability to be open about the challenges that you're facing in that way. How does an organization support an employee who isn't open, who is struggling, and you might not know, are there some things that organizations can do to provide the support needed for people who don't yet want to voice that they're struggling in this way? Absolutely. And to be clear, we would never, you know, wholeheartedly recommend that people start self-disclosing. That's not always the best idea, depending on the type of work environment or the manager that people have. Because not every work environment is there yet where they're going to accept Exactly. Hopefully we will be. sooner rather than later. But so one of the things that Mindshare Partners does is we do corporate trainings and advising services. And part of the reason that we do that and focus especially on managers is to really give them the tools and strategies to help somebody that may be struggling. And again, we don't come at it from a clinical lens. We really come at it from a management one. But simple things like just being vulnerable themselves and that doesn't have to be about a mental health condition but maybe just saying they're having a bad day or their kid had a temper tantrum that morning honestly it takes very little often for people to feel comfortable with a supervisor to then feel comfortable sharing something and maybe to your point it's not full disclosure but it's saying like hey I'm having a rough time could I work from home tomorrow or there's a lot of small things that are within a manager's wheelhouse that can be done like flexible work hours, if somebody has ADHD, moving them to a different location that might not be as loud. So I think just knowing that that conversation is okay in a workplace and knowing that there are supports there. We often suggest that these get reiterated during onboarding trainings and then manager trainings just so that they're out there in the world and it's not somebody raising their hand to have to disclose to get that information. What are some communication tools that exist in the workplace that would help open the door to those kinds of conversations. You know, we just talked about being open and human and normalizing more. What other kind of communication tools can exist in organizations? We have a toolkit on our website about different communications tools, and they really run the gamut. Some of them are just emails to all staffs. A lot of companies use May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month in the U.S., to sort of have a reason to reach out around this issue and often share resources and things like that. What we really encourage, too, is not only the manager being vulnerable, but having a really strong leader ally 
in a company. So someone, ideally the CEO, if not ideally someone in the C-suite who can either share their own experience with the mental health challenge or that of a close family member and friend and do it in a really hopeful way to show that, hey, you can get better. You can be successful at this company. You can be successful and get better if you're struggling and that there's a path forward and that it's okay to be talking about this at that company. So oftentimes what we've seen is some of the CEOs that we've worked with will talk about something that happened in the past, even though they may still be currently managing something, which is easier in terms of an investor board perspective to say, oh, you know, I'm 50 now and in my 20s I had this one little blip. But that goes a long way to make employees feel like they're understood and that this is something that can be discussed at that company rather than something that you need to steer clear of. So Kelly is right. Addressing mental health in the workplace starts with our leaders being vulnerable about their own struggles. It starts with thinking about the employees we support as humans first and understanding and correcting the misconceptions around mental health. Now we need organizations and leaders to prioritize the mental health of their employees. I'd encourage leaders and managers to check out the resources from Mindshare Partners and read the study that Kelly spoke about earlier in this episode. If you are struggling personally with a mental health condition, no matter how small or how severe, know that you are not alone in this. You are not the only one struggling, and we need to be here together. We are going to include a variety of resources on our blog for individuals dealing with anxiety, stress, loneliness, depression, and some links and numbers for organizations that can help you through this time. I want to thank Kelly personally for her vulnerability, sharing about her own struggles. She walks the talk, and she is an example for us that mental health issues can affect any one of us at any time. We need to help each other stay mentally healthy and to get the help that we need when we are struggling. All right, everyone. I know that this is a challenging time in our world, but I hope that you will find ways to stay positive and stay healthy. And remember, we are all in this together. So whatever you are drinking, whether coffee, tea, or something a little bit stronger, I hope it will lead you to fresh brewed ideas that will help make work better for all of us. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of HRT. As your thoughts from today's episode steep, share with us what you are brewing using the hashtag HRT. That's hashtag H-R-T-E-A. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD. To learn more about Villanova University's graduate programs in human resource development and for all the links and notes from today's episode, visit the Villanova HRD blog at villanovahrd.com.